0: Can the Seminoles take advantage of some mismatches while at the same time not allowing LSU to take care of their opportunities? You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back into Locked On Seminoles. I am your host, Brian Smith. Thank you for being with us again today and to all you everydayers, thank you very much. This is a lot of fun and looking forward to doing it. And you can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcast and it is free and available on YouTube as well. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every single day. Today's show, we're going to talk about some of the mismatches for the Knowles, in my opinion, as well as LSU, of course. The team that takes advantage the most, well, that's going to be the team that ends up winning. And also, we're going to talk a little bit specifically about a couple of really unique matchups. The one in in the middle that I'm going to talk about is the one most people probably are really interested interested in. Talking about a quarterback by the name of Jordan Travis and this guy named Harold Perkins, linebacker for LSU. And then in the end, one of my favorite things, not everybody likes it, but trench warfare. O-line versus D-line, a little bit of linebacker discussion, that will also help dictate whether or not there's some mismatches, because if quarterbacks don't have time, they can't make plays. So please note, this is a very unique episode because we're going to get very, very specific. Speaking of specific, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college terms and conditions apply so today's episode again we're going to talk about the mismatch opportunities every game has a few based on uh, you know getting a little bit lucky you catch somebody in man coverage a linebacker on a SWAT receiver or something like that but we're going to go a little more into it than that. This is going to be the -the over-the-top version on how I would do it. Obviously, I don't have Mike Norvell's game plan, nor do I have Brian Kelly's, but these are going to be some of the points they look at. Number one, these are some of the things I'm going to talk about. Johnny Wilson, 6'7", listed at 237 pounds. Look, there aren't many guys built like him playing wide receiver at the National Football League level, level, let alone college. So how do you utilize him? In the middle of it, it's this is the one where it's the most fun for me, and probably for a lot of people. Segment two: Harold Perkins, the incredibly talented linebacker for LSU. How do the Knolls try and neutralize him while getting Jordan Travis on the edge, finding different ways to get the football to the running backs in the screen game, etc.? Going to talk about that, and then finally the battle of the trenches again. First, though, a shout out to Destin Hill. You got to give him credit. He signed a couple of years ago, did not enroll. Now he's at Florida state listed for whatever that's worth as the starter at receiver for the Knowles. That's a, that's really cool, man. He, he just got there, had some things to take care of in his native home of Louisiana. Ironic he's from new Orleans and now he's a Florida state Seminole and he's very happy. If you go on Twitter, you can check it out. He does a little interview with Florida state, talking about his opportunity and how happy he is to get it, that's, that's somebody you just root for in general. I don't care what school you like. Shout out to him. And he could be a part of the mismatches. He's very, very athletic. His high school film and his offers, etc. There was a reason teams went after him. Very good football player. So I, I want to start with the mismatches that I think Florida State has. Again, I know I've talked about this some this week, but we don't know how Florida State is going to be guarded in one-on-one situations, meaning can LSU, which traditionally has won a a lot of games with just straight-up man coverage, running cover one, we're better than you, we're going to take away your best player. I don't think that's going to happen as much in this game, and I think they'll mix it up, and that's fine. Last year, LSU had some issues in the secondary, but it wasn't like they were terrible by any means. But I'm talking more about corner. Their safety play is going to be good. It'll be one of the best safety units in the country. I think that you're going to see Andre Sam, who can play corner or safety. He came over from Marshall. He was a dude. Uh, Notre Dame knows all about him. He had a great game against Notre Dame last year. But Greg Greg Brooks, he's a really talented player, and so is Major Burns. So that's why I think FSU has to attack what is a new unit, essentially, at corner. Sage Ryan has moved from safety to nickel to corner. He's played all over. Very talented. He was a highly recruited kid out of Lafayette, Louisiana but he's not been a guy that's used to being in this kind of situation at corner. And he's only about five eleven. You also have Sage Ryan's other counterpart is Deuce Cheston that somebody Fort state went at last year when he was at Syracuse before he transferred down to Baton Rouge. I think they'll try to hit those guys with size, with speed, with, you know, do some different things with the screen game. Those are going to be the two main guys. I mean, Florida state's always going to try to run the ball. Norvell system dictates that We we know that. But in the passing game, those are the two guys I expect them to go after. Of course, now that I've said that and all the reports that have come out and talking to different people, somebody else will move up the depth chart because that's just how it works. But anyway, both of those kids aren't the biggest guys. FSU has some size at receiver. Keon Coleman, 6'3", 6'4", 215. He's their second biggest receiver. You got Destin, who's six foot or so. They're going to challenge LSU's corners, and they're going to try to isolate them because the safeties, again, are very, very good. The other thing I expect them to do is to try to find ways in the screen game. That is a very big open book. And I'm not even remotely. Not even remotely. Going to try and guess exactly how to do it. Because screens, I mean, there's a million of them. But Florida State's running back room is super talented. They have four or five different guys on the roster. Excuse me, that. Could play for most teams, but at the top of the board, Trey, you know, he's going to get the bulk of the carries. He's an NFL back, in my opinion. He's an every-down guy, but they can even rest him because they have guys behind him. Holmes came in from Penn State. He's he's rested. He's ready to roll. I expect him to have a have a major role. They have other guys too. Which one can pop a screen? It's oftentimes difficult to do that early in the year because there's a lot of practice time that goes into screens, especially the traditional running back screens. And do you catch the other team in zone? It's a little easier if they're in zone because the linebackers are dropping off. But at the same time, this is how you slow down Harold Perkins, again, who we're going to talk about in the second segment, in a very speedy and athletic group of front seven defenders for the Tigers. If you cannot do that, they will harass and change the game, even without Mason Smith playing for LSU. I guarantee it, LSU will cause a lot of havoc for Florida State if they cannot consistently operate screens. It's a must. Now, the other guy that I think is is interesting, and we're looking at it from the other side, talking about the passing game and everything, Jaden Daniels for LSU is just savvy. He's a kid that's a fifth year senior. He went through hell in Tucson, or excuse me, in Phoenix, Playing there for, I don't even know how to define Arizona State's program while he was there. It was just in disarray. Comes to LSU last year, was their savior, fifth-year senior. He's going to find the little nuances. And a couple other guys can really catch the football in the backfield. Their tight end room's not necessarily deep, but Mason Taylor. Watch out for Mason Taylor. He made the, the big play against Alabama to get them over the hump. I'm curious to see how Florida State tries to match up with him. Are they going to try to diszone a lot? Are they going to mix it up? Man, that's a big tight end that's experienced. And, yes, his dad is a certain Hall of Fame edge rusher who's now an assistant coach with the Miami Hurricanes. That's a really good football player. Third downs, red zone, he is a problem for teams. I expect him to be a problem for two more years, only a sophomore. I expect him to be a problem for two more teams or two more years and then find his way to this thing they call the National Football League. That's going to be a player that LSU can count on. They're not the deepest team at tight end. They probably end up playing a freshman as the backup. But Mason won't come off the field much. He'll be except for the offensive line, and Jaden, the guy that gets the most reps, in my opinion, for LSU. Also, Malik Neighbors. This is not a there's no reason to really go into it. That's an NFL player, that's a top five receiver nationally. That's a guy that can go get it in a million different ways. They're going to try and find a way to either get him in a mismatch with Cypress or something because they do a a, kind of a a stack formation or something. They're going to give him extra help because they don't want to see him getting double covered, which he probably will. Otherwise, they're going to put him in bunch. They're going to put him in motion. They might even put him in the backfield with Jaden Daniels. Look for the unexpected. They're going to find ways. They're going to do everything in their power to get corners off of him and linebackers and safeties on him. And if there's one thing Brian Kelly has proven throughout his career, he's got over 30 years of experience as a head coach. He will find matchups, even if it goes outside the box. He's very good at it. If LSU ends up winning this game, I'll bet you money that that's one of the reasons why. Neighbors found a way to get loose for an 80-yard touchdown or something like that. Great football player and another guy that's future NFL player. If we're going to talk one other thing real quick, and I know it's boring to talk about, if you talk about a mismatch, it's just a scoreboard from this. Just going to touch on it. Last year, special teams were goofy. If somebody blocks a kick, even if it's an extra point or whatever, that can also kind of change the game. So make sure you understand this isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. College football first week, it can go, <laughs> let's just say, sideways. Uh, pretty easily, so make sure you understand this is this is going to be another opportunity for one of these teams. Last year's one point game, you block a field goal, you block an extra point, you block a punt—that can happen. So um, let's uh, let's transition to segment two. But we have something that we're getting ready to start here on Friday on the Locked On Network. We are going to have a live session from 11 a.m to 1 p.m. each Friday. College football season is here. Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football kickoff live every Friday from 11 to 1. We're going to do playoff brackets. We're going to talk about the conference rivalry games, conference realignment, anything you can think of. Depth charts, kind of the things we're talking about now, key matchups, Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 to 1. It's going to be on every channel. So the Florida State channel, the LSU channel, everything you can think of. If there's a college football channel that we have on Locked On from 11 to 1 on Friday, you can watch it. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm probably going to be on it this week because of the LSU-Florida State game. I expect that we'll every week have the bigger games the host from those teams that they'll come on and give their opinions about what will and will not happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you check it out. Now, this is the fun segment. Let's talk Harold Perkins and let's talk Jaden Daniels and, and all the matchups and stuff that like the specific player, but the one I'm going to talk to you on about 98% on this segment is Perkins versus Jordan Travis. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that based on what Harold Perkins has done in his career to date, you know, I'm kind of looking at some stats and whatnot. He was only a freshman last year, but he was like SEC player of the week a couple of times, Arkansas, Alabama, et cetera, as a true freshman. Now he was an edge rusher last year. and He's moved to inside backer. They'll probably play him at Mike and a little bit more will uh, less responsibility mentally, usually in, in a will position, but how do they try and get him into the backfield? Are they going to run a lot of stunts, blitzes? Or are they going to put him on the edge on third and six? What ways will they do it? And then, conversely, how will the Knolls do it? This again, I've mentioned this about every show: 200 plus starts amongst the starters and a couple of the backups competing for playing time. That's extraordinary for an offensive line. But Harold Perkins is a top ten pick in waiting. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. Special, special player. If he is able to consistently harass Jordan Travis, that's that's no bueno. They're going to have to, in my opinion, I expect Florida State to chip him and to use personnel packages. What do I mean by chip and personnel packages? Number one, running backs coming out of the backfield. Instead of immediately going into his route, if Perkins is on his side and he is rushing or crowding the line, you make contact with him to slow him down. It's a bit of a sacrifice. I'll grant you that, but that's something they're going to do Two, I also think that they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel or 22 personnel Florida state again, has plenty of running backs. Uh, it, whether Daniels is in the shotgun under, under center or in, in the pistol, whatever, I expect them to run this two running backs, two tight ends, one running back, two tight ends putting them in different spots, making it difficult to just come straight off the edge. you got to go wider. You're not going to just run through a 250-pound guy. It's not going to happen. So you're going to try to eliminate some – and they've got other good edge guys. I'm not just saying – Harold Perkins, they have plenty. But when he comes out there, you're going to see some different things. There might be a motion man. There will be a lot of different ways to just use – the slightest bit of trickery, if you will, based on formation. And it's really not outside Florida State's packages anyway. They want to use a lot of tight ends. But, again, it's Perkins. You can say whatever you want. They have to account for him a little bit differently than they would some other players. Very athletic young man. Finally, I also think you're going to see a little bit more, not that you wouldn't see some anyway, Jordan on the move to his right or left. He's such an athletic guy. It's not going to make that much difference to him make Perkins think more than he just reacts. The more he is thinking, the more likely he is not to be a part of the tackle. That's as simple as it gets. On the other side, for Jaden Daniels, I think it'll be a little bit more by committee. Tatum Bethune, I think, will be locked in with him. He's a very experienced guy, fifth year senior, second year at Florida State after three years at UCF. I don't think he's the same kind of player in terms of his build and everything. He's shorter than Harold, but he's very instinctive. I think he's going to shadow him a lot. I'm not saying he's going to be coming on dog blitzes, but I'm just saying he will be in the middle of the field. And he's, he's, because Jaden's phenomenal on third and six, just finding a way to get a first down because he can scoot. They're going to have to corral him and keep him inside the tackle box. When he's outside, complete mismatch. I don't care what linebacker, Tatum Bethune or whoever, I'll take Jaden Daniels every time. One-on-one, head up. I see it. I'm not surprised. I'll take Jaden Daniels. You have to get him moving early, get his eyes down inside pressure in particular. But if he is consistently able to just whenever he wants roll to apply pressure, to decide whether I want to throw a run, that is danger zone for any team they play Florida state included. Finally on this, I think that you're going to find at least one or two situations where just some of the newbies, some of the guys that we haven't talked about that much, I haven't talked about. There's going to be a couple of plays, and this could happen. Maybe it is maybe it is Mason Taylor ends up on a, a safety or something on a down the field throw for LSU or one of the big tight ends, like Bell for Florida State down the field, whatever it is. But there probably is going to be some of the younger guys, too, for each team because it's not like either receiver corps is lacking talent. They both have plenty of young guys. Which one is it? I have no idea. There's going to be a deep ball probably for both teams. Where a younger player has a chance to make a 50 50 catch. That can change the tide of a game. But again, it could be a 6 3 guy against a 5 11 DB. That's an advantage for the offense. Which guy comes down with it? Here's your chance. So I think that the game could be won on one of those plays. It'll be, in my opinion, a very close game. I'm going to have my prediction on Friday. Going to talk about why I'm picking which team, and I'm still deciding on a score and all that as, I, as I'm doing this podcast, but I think it's going to come down to just a couple of plays. That's how close these teams are, and it makes it even more fun to discuss. So with that, once again, we are sponsored by LinkedIn today, LinkedIn Jobs. Ever struggle finding good help? <laughs> I know I have, trying to find interns, trying to find people to work with me, even getting the right people to come on a podcast that are really prepared is not easy. But trying to find somebody to go to work 40 hours a week or more for you, a sales rep, et cetera, that's also very difficult. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools, screening questions. They make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize what you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Segment three. This is something I just personally like. Some of you may or some of you may not. Trench warfare. In big games, it's more fun, in my opinion. How many times have you, whether you're, you're a Florida State fan, LSU fan, or you just stumbled across this podcast and decided to watch it, and you're sitting here yourself, you're saying to yourself, well, most college football games, one offensive or and or defensive line just dominates the other, and that is true. That's not likely to be the case today. Trench warfare to me is very, very simple for this game. Defenses that have as much talent as Florida State and LSU in their front seven. We talked about Perkins and some of the different guys. They're adverse for Florida State's ridiculous. They have to come up with ways to scheme against them. Do you find a way, though, to also scheme against them just by beating on them play after play to wear them down? That is trench warfare. If it is consistently, just to use an example, third and six for Florida State in the first quarter, quarter and a half, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Harold Perkins is going to have a heck of a lot more impact. Shocker. However, if you can run the ball for four yards a carry or more on average, even early in the game, which is hard, because the defense isn't tired yet, when that third and fourth quarter comes around, that changes the entire dynamic of the game completely. Same deal for LSU, which offensive line, and they are both extremely experienced. LSU brings back everybody. Florida State has an incredibly talented line. Uh, if I had to guess, the most talented guy in the game will be the left tackle for four or for LSU. I absolutely love him. He he started as a true freshman, and I thought he was the best high school lineman coming out of the country. Will Campbell, he's, fr- he's from northern Louisiana. It's not going to be easy for the pass rushers anyway, so you better, you better find a way to be effective in that run game to at least give yourself more chances because if they start running the ball on you, either team, and they're both very capable because they both have a bevy of backs, it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard. Third downs and threes compared to third and five. It doesn't sound like a lot. That's huge. Third and three means you have whatever you want cart Blanche and your play call sheet to go from. And you both teams have all but carbon copies of each other at quarterback. So there's D lines that whichever one doesn't stop the run as much. We just talked about playmakers. We just talked about mismatches. All that comes back in to this category the team that will get more mismatch opportunities and more chances for their playmakers to make plays in space will most likely be the team that wins in the trenches and that offensive line wins the day. It's not that complex beyond that. Now, the only other thing that I will say, and this is typical, again, of college football in general, you're probably going to have two or three plays in a game where your receiver just flat out wins, man coverage, it's a bust, whatever the heck it is. How many times you've been watching a game and an announcer says, oh, he's wide open, but they got pressure on him. Quarterback couldn't see him. There's a little bit of luck with that. If the quarterback can't see him because he gets flushed right away, then it doesn't matter. If the offensive line for either squad has a couple more plays than the other team, or they do a really good job in protection. If that's a bust in the secondary, or if it's just a flat-out win, these quarterbacks will hit them, and that'll be six. Trench warfare, man. That's bottom line. If you cannot win in trench warfare, and that means pass protection just as much as beating up on them at the end of the day, because you got to hit some play action and some deep shots, maybe a first play after a turnover at midfield, whatever. The team that does that, that's the extension, of winning with trench warfare. It's, it's part of it with that. I'm going to start wrapping up here. Um, Note that again, on Friday, we're going to have prediction. We're going to talk a little bit about what I expect for the final score, how I've come to that conclusion and some things that still make me wondering how it could go down a little more of extension of this for the first two segments. And in segment three, I will talk a little bit about the final score and also on Saturday, I'm going to do some recruiting stuff. And Sunday, I've already got, a, got one up for Sunday, uh, one of the previews, Mr. Gibson. He's one of my favorite players in Florida State's class. So with that, everybody, have a great day. Thank you very much. You all be safe.